You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. I know you guys probably missed out on Best of the Week last week, but I'm back in town. I was on vacation, get catching up on some uh, much-needed rest after a long chief season, but we are re-energized here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, so we've got plenty to get into on today's show. We'll start things off with the Out of Structure podcast, highlighting some Chiefs OTAs news, as well as DeAndre Hopkins and the Chiefs' interest in the veteran wide receiver. After that, we're going to catch up with the Arrowhead Pride Editors show. Pete and John discuss the Chiefs' cap space and how a move like signing DeAndre Hopkins could happen in Kansas City. After that, we'll take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll wrap things up with show and BK, just discussing the latest Chiefs news and their take on the veteran wide receiver. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Um, but but the boss man Pete Sweeney is, is is leading the hype train on 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 a Ross wide receiver Ross, but not the Ross maybe you think. Uh, it's John Ross, the veteran receiver, the former first round pick, the guy that ran four two two at a forty yard dash at the combine. And this is uh, the boss man's tweet. He said John Ross's speed is unreal. The twenty seven year old showed every bit of that four two two as he raced past two defenders in red zone seven on seven for an easy touchdown. I asked Reed about John Ross and post, the post-practice presser, and he wanted to talk about the uh, both Rosses. Quote to follow. Make sure you go uh, to the site and, 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 and check out that article. But he, he also kind of uh, – this was before, I think, but he said uh, more notes in a little bit, but there's a chance Chiefs fans are getting excited about the wrong Ross. So we're already getting that hype, Stags. I think, uh, I think that's always fun because uh, that receiver room, we talked about it last week. You know, there's a lot of, there's a, uh, a lot of receivers, a lot of names already, and we're going to talk about it even more this week. But – Man, you know, that could be even more of a shakeup if, if John Ross is, uh, is really actually showing something. Yeah, of all the things you thought you were going to be hearing, I don't think uh, John Ross was, was at the top of your list of what to be excited about for OTAs. But maybe we should have because this is the time of year when there's not a lot of contact. There's not a live, you know, scrimmage action. The fastest guy is going to look the best in a lot of ways. And sometimes it's also the biggest guy, the guy who can out jump everybody. And so... I would expect that both Rosses are are looking good. I do think it was notable, as others have pointed out, that Andy Reid, when he was specifically just asked about John Ross, and he immediately pivoted to Justin Ross. So all the Justin Ross uh, truthers out there should be excited to say that he was sort of unprompted in bringing up Justin Ross and how he's progressed, how his foot looks, how his health looks. All of those things are are positives uh, for Justin and his attempt to come back. Uh, but this is going to be a crowded room, and, and I don't know I don't know unless you just slot John Ross into that McColl Hardman role, um, where else does he fit? Like, how, how does he round out this room? Because, yeah, we talked about Richie James last week, right, as that extra receiver that maybe now they need. Because McCole Hardman's not here, they don't have kind of a return at returner at the receiver position that you want to put full time. You obviously don't want to put Tony back there full time. Sky Moore, please no. So, you know, John Ross kind of does fit that role, and maybe he that's where he's going to be competing with a guy like Richie James. Um, but you know, as far as Justin Ross, you know, he's a guy that 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 has the the video. You know, one of the videos that uh, you know he looked pretty good going through one little. One little drill, and and the receiver next one was going very slow, so it made it look even better. So that's that's great. We always love those kind of videos. So uh, it's 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 OTA season, and this receiver room is going to be a fun position to to follow this offseason stacks because there's one uh you know one big move that just happened, big transaction that happened in the NFL that 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 is affect you know the Chiefs could be in on. Let's just say so. Uh, 
you know, the Chiefs, uh, the receiver position is just going to be fun to talk about this whole offseason. Absolutely. And everybody knows what receiver we're talking about because it's one that we've been talking about all offseason, whether it's a trade, an eventual re- release, or, you know, some other uh, mechanism for, for this guy to join Kansas City. It's been, it's actually gone on longer than that. I think there was speculation, you know, uh, over the last couple of years uh, for, for this guy. So, the news that, that Ron's referring to, of course, is the, the release of DeAndre Hopkins, the former All-Pro, leaving the Arizona Cardinals and, and the show that is the Arizona Cardinals. And the question is really, who's, who's going to be the suitors? In fact, the question isn't who's going to be the suitors. Let me rephrase that. The question is, who's willing to pay him what he wants to, what he wants to get paid? Yeah, no, I actually have a, a, a question from a, a listener, you know, a consistent listener of our show uh, to, to get us into this, this, you know, this discussion. You know, it's, it's from Stag BSP on Twitter. Uh, first time caller, love the show. If the Chiefs sign Hopkins, will people say they are all in for a Super Bowl run? I'll hang up and listen. Uh, sound, uh, Stag BSP sounds like a great guy. So shout out, shout out him, whoever that is. Uh, no, no, Stags. You, you, you posed that to me uh, in, the, in the wake of the news as Chiefs Twitter was excited about the, the fact that the Chiefs could now be in on just signing him instead of having to trade, you know, assets to go get him. But you're right, you know, it's going to be a competition, man. You know, Albert Brewer's already said that the Chiefs and the Bills were both heavily contested, uh, you know, contesting with each other to go get uh, him, uh, you know, Hop- Hopkins when he was a, a still a Cardinal. Um, he actually mentions the Chiefs made progress. But Odell Beckham's deal, which was about $15 million in base, more or less blew that progress up. So the Chiefs, you know, we're, we're pretty heavily invested in getting after Hopkins. Um, but he does confirm, yeah, but the, both the Chiefs and the Bills have talked directly to Hopkins and like him. And so this, this is something that the Chiefs are going to be monitoring, are going to be in till the end on, you know, trying to see what they can do. But you're right, the money thing. You know, he, he's a really good receiver. He's an elite receiver. And, you know, now that he's on the free market, he can kind of ask for what he wants. Um, but that's there is still a good good part to that. Right, Sags? Because I think having him in the contract he had before, you have to work around that. Now, at least you can have the flexibility of negotiating a new deal. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm not super confident right now that it's going to happen. Uh, I, I, I kind of tweeted it. I think the Bills are, are the team that are going to be desperate enough to work things out and, and go get him and, and give Josh Allen, you know, a, a plethora of weapons. What do you think about, uh, you know, the possibilities of him actually becoming a chief? Yeah, it seems like Jeremy Fowler of ESPN is the authority on this right now, or at least the most vocal. Uh, he was out even this morning saying Chiefs and Bills are in, um, but the Bills have the upper hand. And he keeps blaming the Donovan Smith contract as why the Chiefs may not have enough money uh, to go get DeAndre Hopkins. That's an odd pull because that contract was was not nearly as big as it was, as it was reported. It doesn't affect their cap that dramatically this season. And we know that the Chiefs are low on cap space, but we also know that they have levers that they could pull. Now, are they willing to do that? Are they willing to to leverage up? And and as the the brilliant uh, question asker said, uh, go all in and, and for a Super Bowl run. Yeah, you know this is this is one of those things that teams can do. Uh, it doesn't always work out that well, and so it's something that that the Chiefs have been reluctant to do in the past to to leverage up and go all in. Uh, in, in air quotes here. So they certainly would have to make some moves in order to free up some cap space to make any kind of a, a legit offer. You're right. The fact that they can negotiate a contract from scratch instead of dealing with what they had before uh, does make it easier. They could do a low first-year cap hit, you know, spread the money out over a couple of years. That's something that that is is reasonable to expect if they're able to get it done. You know, I, I suspect, though, that that the money will be better elsewhere. And I'm not sure that's going to be in Buffalo either. Uh, I keep seeing little rumors about Cleveland maybe being in. Mm-hmm. Uh, that seems like a team that could throw some bucks his way. Uh, and he could he could squint enough to say that they might be competitive with him uh, to, to at least not sound like a complete liar when he says he wants to go to a winner. So we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, I mean, Deshaun Watson, the familiarity there makes sense. Uh, I think Patriots makes a lot of sense, too. Uh, it feels like he just loves Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick, you know, admires him a lot, and they do need that kind of outside perimeter receiver. They have good playmakers. They got Juju in there now. Um, but they do need that kind of, uh, you know, number one uh, X type of wide out uh, for Mac Jones because they run a very traditional offense that 
that definitely you know kind of has that traditional role for those receivers. But the most fascinating part to me about it, uh, Stags, the D Hop situation, is what it could do to the receiver room. I mean, we talked about it last week. We spent a lot of time actually last week talking about breaking down the receivers by you know what kind of yardage we could see each guy get, you know, uh, and and kind of just how the whole uh, production could break down the, the pie, you know, how the pie chart would look. Throwing him in there, throwing DeAndre Hopkins in here, you know, you're obviously not bringing him in to be, you know, a, a, a role guy, you know, in, in certain situations. I mean, he's, he's not at that point in his career yet. He's going to be coming in to be the team's number one wide out playing, uh, you know, all the time in the most crucial situations uh, constantly. And that puts you with, you know, D-Hop, you know, Kadarius Toney, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Sky Moore. Rasheed Rice, Justin Watson, and that, you know, and that doesn't include, you know, guys like Richie James we just talked about. Um, you know, we don't need to include the Ross in this, in this actual discussion. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I just – it gets so deep, and that's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, a guy like Rasheed Rice getting put, pushed down that far, um, or if he really steps up and, and does look better than a guy like Sky Moore, you know, Sky Moore getting pushed down, you know, that far – I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, different things that could really, uh, you know, it really push a few guys down. But, you know, depth is good. Right. So I don't know. We can't be complaining about that. Yeah, it, it would go against what the, the trend has been for the Chiefs over the last couple of years, which is player development and, and draft uh, and youth and cheap players. I mean, this is yeah. this would really you know throw that strategy out the window or at least be uh, contrary uh, to that strategy. And yet, you could argue that Rasheed Rice is—he's not the youngest prospect in the world. He wasn't one of those guys that was, uh, you know, just twenty years old or twenty-one coming out of the draft. You push him back another year, uh, right. all of a sudden he's, uh, you know, he—he he is losing a year of of productivity. Uh, as we know, it takes a while for rookie receivers to produce in this offense. You would expect Sky Moore would be on the upward trajectory this year. You know, would this hint? hinder that or, or would it help maybe take some of the attention away and, and open up some, some possibilities for him. It, it is a, it, it would alter the room, but it would give them that true number one that they haven't had since Tyreek Hill. Uh, and, and so that, you know, it can't be a bad thing. You know, you, you've, right. <laughs> you've really insulated yourself and yeah, it, it would be bad news for some of the young players trying to make the roster or the John Rosses of the world trying to come back uh, onto a roster. But it wouldn't be bad for Mahomes or the offense. Well, I mean, let me ask you though. I mean, are, are we a hundred percent sure about that? You know, I, I, you know, I've been skeptical about, you know, the type of receiver Hopkins is and how he fits into the offense. You know, I, I do think, you know, with where the receiver position at is at for them right now, yes, they probably could use this kind of talent um, if they really want to, you know, continue to be a Super Bowl contender, uh, you know, uh, next season. Um, you know, obviously I think they will be a super contender either way, but to really take them over the top, but I, but are you really that confident that you know he's not going to be a Julio Jones that comes in and you know doesn't look? That, I mean, you know he is older. He's 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 dealt with injuries. I mean that is kind of the risk here and why you know they may have their kind of you know their ceiling on what how much they'll they'll kind of offer him to to take. So I don't know how confident are you feeling about it? Yeah, that, that's a fair point. I mean, he hasn't been you know uber productive. In, in a full season over recent years, obviously there's, you can point to a lot of reasons for that. You can say it's the quarterback. You can say it's the offense. You can say it's a terrible team all around him. He's had suspensions. He's had injuries. I mean, there's been a lot going on with him. And so you would be banking on him getting back to himself. If you're going to pay him 15 to $20 million a year as, as reported as might be the asking price. Yeah. Now, if you get him for a lower deal, um, then it's not a big deal if he's not the number one guy. Uh, right. But you ask, I think you asked if he fits what they want to do on offense. And I think the Chiefs have told us that they want a player like him. Uh, not not only that they've been interested in him forever, that they had Juju Smith-Schuster who fills, you know, not the exact same role, but, but does some similar things. And then you draft Rasheed Rice, who models his game after DeAndre Hopkins. So this was a not saying he's going to be the next nuke, but – he, he at least is that same style of player and somebody who models his game after him. You can tell that there's a role for somebody like him here. Uh, and if you can get the, the guy himself, as opposed to somebody who's, who's hoping to be that guy, then, then, then why not? Even if it's only for a year, even if it's a, uh, you know, a, a contract that, that pushes people back a little bit, but uh, I'm not, 
going to guarantee – I don't think I'm going to draft him in my fantasy leagues or anything like that if, if he signs <laughs> with the Chiefs. But I, I think uh, I think he's a, he's a presence that would be helpful. Uh, he'll make some plays for the team. He'd probably pull some attention away from other guys, which – which could be a, a positive thing in the, in the short run. Yeah, and and I think you're uh, that's a really good point with the Rasheed Rice. You know, them drafting that kind of receiver. You know, Rasheed Rice's ceiling is DeAndre Hopkins, the type of style player he is, the type of you know what he does with an offense. And and so when you think about it like that, Black Elf nineteen at Black Elf six six two four on Twitter. You know, if if this signing does go down, he he asks the question here: Does this offseason get an A plus if they land a quality receiver like D Hop? and re-sign Chris Jones. He adds the caveat re-signing Chris Jones, but I think, well, I mean, I think re-signing Chris Jones is very important, but I, you know, I, I think even just the uh, landing a quality receiver like D hop could be uh, the question here, but he says, been happy with everything beach has done this off season with the exception of the lack of starting quality receivers added. So obviously Hopkins would, would help him there. I don't know, Stags, how good is this off season? I mean, are, you know, is it, are, are we uh, are we kind of, uh, you know, in, in honeymoon phase with the Super Bowl uh, win that we're kind of just thinking everything's going to work, you know, work great every move that we're, we're seeing right now? Uh, what are you thinking? You know, it's a reasonable question. I, I think there's still some people that are a little worried about how the offensive tackle situation is going to shake out. Uh, I like that they've thrown a lot of bodies at it and they'll let it sort itself out. The offensive line could be the deepest unit they've had in a long time. And it could be at least as good, if not better than what they had last year depending on who lines up where. Um, so, you know, that I think they addressed that in a, in a pretty efficient manner, a pretty good manner. Um, they've added – they haven't added a lot of receivers, but I do like the Rasheed Rice uh, addition. And, and I think I think Richie James is, is being very much underrated. If, if, if they don't bring in um, DeAndre Hopkins, I think Richie James is a guy who makes the team and, and contributes some and some, some interesting roles, adding, adding Nuke to the – list of receivers all of a sudden means that whole bottom half of the of the wide receiver depth chart is going to be scrambling and there's going to be a, a lot more bodies for a lot less uh, spots and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out but overall I'm content with the offseason I do think a Chris Jones extension is uh, is the one thing that would put it put me over the top even more than than Hopkins uh, so it's, I think it's an a offseason with the Chris Jones uh, contract extension and it's an A plus if they, if they throw Hopkins in there just for good measure. Um, I like that. So yeah, that, that's where well, I'm at at this point. Well, and, but I'll, I'll say too, I, as a fan, you know, I know, you know, I, I don't want to sit down and do the logistics of it because I, I do think there's some arguments that I would maybe could see and, and maybe not extending a guy like Legereus Sneed. But as a fan, I think a plus, offseason would be not only extending Jones, but Snead too. I just love rooting for that guy. He's such a fun player. And uh, it would be nice to have him here as kind of a staple of the defense. And I could see it, right? I could see it, but, you know, it's just they've been drafting so well in the secondary lately. Uh, you know, maybe there's a, an argument to be made that they don't need to. So Yeah, it's, it's there's there's certainly arguments. And, and as soon as they drafted uh, Connors, I, I felt like, hey, that's, that's somebody who yeah. – you know, it's a little Sneed-like, so you can see them making plans for just in case they're not able uh, to re-sign him. So I, I do think uh, that that is something that should be on the to-do list. They should be working towards that, but they probably have a little bit more leverage in that situation, just given the the depth and their ability to find guys. Um, Chris Jones being the big one. I do think it's interesting as they talk about DeAndre Hopkins and Chris Jones being contingent upon one another. A lot of people have pointed out the fact, and not inaccurately, that if you sign Chris Jones to a long-term deal, he's got a low first-year cap hit, and then you can use some of that money to, to sign Hopkins. That sounds great, and, and, and it's not wrong, but if they sign Chris Jones to that long-term extension, they're going to be dropping substantial amounts of money, $50 million or more, into that uh, escrow account for his guarantees, and the, there is a factor of cash and cap hit when you go to sign a contract. And they're going to, you know, Clark Hunt's cutting a big, a big check there. He's got obviously cutting huge checks in Mahomes. Uh, there may be a limit to their cash outflow uh, that, that may hinder them even more if they sign Chris Jones. So maybe the Chris Jones contract could be seen as a, as a negative towards signing Hopkins because of the cash outlay that they're going to have to give for him. Speaking of guys that 
we feel are in one piece. DeAndre Hopkins might be over some of those injury woes. He's looking for a new job. The Arizona Cardinals released DeAndre Hopkins. This is, of course, notable for Kansas City because they've been tied to Hopkins, John, all offseason. And we had said on this podcast, look, uh, we don't see Hopkins trade because of the cap number that came with him. Apparently, that had not stopped the Chiefs from contacting the Cardinals and talking to them per several reports and accounts. It seems like it's coming from the Hopkins representation side. That being said, no trade ever happened. Apparently, the Chiefs and those pesky Buffalo Bills were involved in trade talks. (laughs) They had spoken to Hopkins representation. What appears to have happened is Odell Beckham, signs with the Baltimore Ravens for what was $15 million guaranteed. And Hopkins, who actually played last year and has a similar, I think, resume to Beckham and and what he can bring to a a table, he looks at that and says, $15 million? I'm going to take $3 million with up to 10 incentives? And I, I think at that point, talks broke down with both Buffalo and Kansas City. Now... You can rip up that contract and he is free. That being said, the Beckham contract still exists. So how does Kansas City, how does Buffalo, who, John, and and correct me if I'm wrong here, two of the lower Mm -hmm. available cap numbers in the league, how do they figure out how to get him on a roster when all the smoke is saying that that these are the the two teams to to watch for the services of Hopkins? Well, the short answer is they can't. I mean, they can. I mean, anybody will tell you, oh, the salary cap is just a joke. Anybody who wants to sign any player can figure out a way to make it happen by, you know, making restructures of contracts. Okay, that's true. If the Chiefs really wanted to, they could figure out a clear a way to clear $50 million in cap space. But the Chiefs don't really want to do that, and neither do the Bills, because that that costs over the long term. Right. You know, you got to pay that money eventually. And yeah, there's going to be more cap available next year than there is this year. But if you do enough stuff like that, it's all gone next year. You know, all the additional cap is gone. And you'll still have this huge cap hit for Patrick Mahomes contract uh, for the next, you know, eight or nine years. However, well, maybe just a few years, but perhaps as many as eight or nine years. So you can't really just do whatever to sign whatever player. You have to make a decision on whether this player is worth whatever it is you have to do to create cap space to sign them. And I just don't see Hopkins, who's going to be 31, like in 10 days, if I remember correctly. I don't see how the Chiefs or the Bills are going to do that at this point. When, uh, you know, it's not like... Hopkins could elevate either one of the quarterbacks for these teams. Now, right. if you're, you know, if you're the Raiders or somebody, uh, maybe you think, oh yeah, Hopkins could elevate what we can do on offense. But I don't think Hopkins does that for the Chiefs. I know people will disagree with me, but right. um, it's just a, it's just a question of how badly do you want him? And I don't think the Chiefs or the Bills want him that badly. Well, right now, if you go to our our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, this was as of last night, the Buffalo Bills are favorites at plus 300. Chiefs are next at plus 400. Then it goes Ravens, Jets, Patriots, Chargers. Notable because Hopkins has mentioned the Chargers, the Jets, the Ravens, the Chiefs, and the Bills, specifically wanting to play with those quarterbacks. It makes more sense for me for it to be the Jets plus 700 or the Cowboys plus 2,500 because they can much more easily make the room. Mm-hmm. But again, you just yeah. keep hearing the Bills and the Chiefs. So it remains something to watch from, I think, two standpoints. It's A, what does Hopkins in this system mean for the rest of the players? Now, I know that we were saying Kadarius Tony's that that number one, which we're interested in hearing Nagy's comments about. Is he the number one anymore? Who gets chopped here i i believe it would be richie james then you're looking at okay now maybe justin watson uh, might be your punt returner again unless you feel like you can trust sky more which i know a lot of fans wouldn't so i think it creates a a a domino effect of what does it mean for the chiefs and i think the other and john you were touching upon this 
more interesting factor of it is if he comes to the Chiefs, I could say the same thing about the Bills, but how did they get there to to allow the cap number to to be mm-hmm. okay? Right. Mm-hmm. And is it a case where the Chiefs enact more of those special Patrick Mahomes mechanism things that they don't seem to like want to do, right? Because uh, it, it seems to, I think, strap the cap for later down the line. Or is it something where they work something out with Chris Jones and he's here and suddenly there's cap available. So the well, how, as I, as I yeah. understand it, it's that they're beyond the window where they can do that easily Mahomes. with Mahomes contract, yeah. as I understand it, because they did that right on March 17th. It's usually which, day three of the new league. Year, yes. Correct. We, yes. yes. I think they have to make that if they're going to, if they're going to change some of his roster bonus to signing bonus, that roster bonus is uh, becomes due on the third day of the league year, which this year was March 17th, uh, St. Patrick's Day, of course. Happy St. Patrick's uh, Day. Yeah, and um, uh, so they had to make the decision about how much of that they were going to convert to signing bonus. And I, lo- I know a lot, of, and yes, they could restructure Mahomes, uh, do a formal restructure and open up some money that way. But the thing that they can do just by signing a piece of paper uh, has already come and gone for this for this contract year. So Mahomes' contract really isn't a, a simple option at this well, point. And and we know how you you feel about this, John. If they completely ripped it up and restructured and extended and mm-hmm. et cetera, right. then maybe that would would sure. become possible. Sure. Um, maybe more likely for Chris Jones. I I think. I I don't I don't think Chris Jones is going to be in a rush to just sign anything. And so, yeah. I don't know. I wonder about this. Like, maybe the longer it goes is allowing time. Like, is there a handshake possibility of like, look, DeAndre, um, when this thing gets done or what, you know, um, we, you know, we when this thing gets done in, in the sense of Chris Jones and, and us come to an agreement on extension, we're, we're figuring it out next. Like, the longer it goes, maybe. There is something that that Kansas City could do once they get through that that situation. We did see yesterday that Hopkins has signed an agent. I guess he didn't have an agent. He just had a financial advisor before, but now he is with an agency to help him negotiate. I don't hmm. know. Let's 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 close the conversation here, John. Your gut feeling, and I'll give you my gut feel. Is Hopkins a chief week one? No. I don't think so. That's my gut feeling. And I think it's it's just going to be too hard for the Chiefs to work the money. And I think that we're giving too much play to these interviews where Hopkins is asked who he'd like to play with. And he says, well, Patrick Mahomes. Well, what wide receiver wouldn't say Patrick Mahomes at right. this stage of the game? Uh, and I think we, we're probably giving too much emphasis to that. Now, we've had the report that the chiefs were talking to him, but I think the chiefs talk to everybody. I think they turn over all the stones and make some kind of a silly offer and get turned down. Most of the time, I don't think it necessarily means anything that the chiefs were talking to him about a trade. So my, my gut feeling is no, he won't be a chief before the season begins. Yeah. I'm no too. Uh, I guess something could drastically change where the chiefs suddenly have room, right? If Mm -hmm. we get off the podcast today, which it feels like it happens more than than not, and suddenly there's a new deal for Chris <laughs> Jones, and we're looking at the cap, and John's like, "Yeah, we estimate that it's ten million dollars." And I was like, "Oh God, can we go back on the podcast?" But I I think no, I I think it isn't Buffalo or Kansas City. I think it's a team with more cap space and not having to do emergency operation to to get under, but. I I could be wrong about that. We did make it our flash poll today, John. No, I. I have the flashball at the bottom here, but we're going to do it now. I asked our our wonderful Arrowhead Pride we- readers, in 2023, DeAndre Hopkins will be playing, and I gave the choices for Buffalo, for Kansas City, or for somebody else. We have votes from 1,300 Chiefs fans. What did the fan base decide when it comes to Hopkins? I think a lot of people still think he's going to come to Kansas City and should come to Kansas City, <laughs> so I'm going to say – I'm going to say that the that uh, Hopkins to Kansas City was the number one answer. So I would have agreed with you, I think, if I wasn't the one in charge of this. And uh, we both would have been wrong. Most <laughs> fans think he's going to play for somebody else, 51%. So really? half the fan well, base okay. uh, is, is a realist right now. 
there are some hopefuls. The 36.9% of Kansas Cityans uh, feel that Hopkins will be playing for the Chiefs, and then 12% for those evil uh, Central New York Buffalo Bills. Um, so, yeah, I, I think one in every two Chiefs fans, half half of Chiefs fans are are understanding the, the cap here. And then you never know. I, I guess 37%, one in every three or, or, or so, uh, feel that he will still wind up in Kansas City. Remains to be seen. Uh, this is a subject, uh, and I know that Steve knows this, so I'm not surprising him here, where if you were signing Kansas City, we would have uh, an emergency podcast. So let's look <laughs> out for that uh, right here on the Where, where we would podcast. say, we didn't see this coming. <laughs> no, what are you talking about? Kansas City. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I would like to take a take this time to personally thank um, a team in the National Football League. I'd like to take this time to thank the Cincinnati Bengals. Um they really brought me back um, into this. I I don't know if I've had this level of sports hate for a team in a long, long time, especially football. Like, I live in sports hate for the Missouri Tigers. That's just on, on and popping all the time. But outside of that, like, I can't remember. Like, the Cincinnati Bengals, I, I remember I had come back. I, I had come back in the fray. But then I, you know, I was just I was rooting for the Chiefs, but that emotion, that emotion didn't come back until Mike. What's his name? Mike Milton, whatever the hell his name is. Mike Hilton. Hilton. Mike Hilton came through with the bur- burrowhead, the burrowhead thing. That just sent me over the edge with them. And now I now I, that fool, uh, that that receiver, what the hell is that idiot's name? Tyler Boyd. He now he comes rolling through with the, oh if I had I played we would have we would have won we would have beaten the Chiefs, and I and I and I love them for it. I think of I, they, they gotten that emotion, but I really hate the Cincinnati Bengals. Like there's not <laughs> there's not a team, like there's not a team, and 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 they've they've had times where they've had some really suspect people, you know Vontez Burfitt those years. But I really hate those guys. Like I, I mean, I want them to lose bad, <laughs> like bad. And I, and I cannot wait for the Chiefs to play them. I really hate them. I mean, I sports hate, really hate them. Ron, we have artificially tried to create a rivalry for Mahomes. Not you and I, but like the national yes. narrative of who who's going to be the guy. There's got to be somebody that becomes the Peyton Manning to Patrick Mahomes, the way that Manning was that guy for Tom Brady. And so the first like four or five years of his career, everybody was like, all right, well, you know, maybe it's going to be Lamar. Maybe it's going to be Deshaun. Maybe it's going to be Andrew Luck. Like we, we created all of these potential scenarios of this is going to be the next guy. It's going to be this guy, this guy. And then eventually it was like, oh, maybe Josh Allen's going to be that guy. We're kind of settling into this Bill's Chiefs thing. And maybe this is going to be what it is. We figured it out. It happened organically. It's Burrow versus Mahomes, and it's the Bengals versus the Chiefs, more importantly. And I think that's what's so fun about this. When it was Manning versus Brady, it was really just that. It was those two guys facing each other head-to-head. There was no animosity. It wasn't like Colts and Patriots fans really hated each other in a meaningful way. It wasn't like the teams really hated each other. It was just two of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the league going up against one another, and we all tuned in to watch what the game was going to look like. 
this is different, man. I'm totally with you. There is something deeper. There is an animosity between these two teams, the likes of which I, I can't remember the last time that we've seen this in a non-divisional rivalry. You see it sometimes Chiefs Raiders. You'll see it with Seahawks versus 49ers in the past or Steelers versus Ravens. Like We have examples of this within a division. A non-divisional rivalry that is super competitive where the teams just really dislike each other. I think you have to go back to like the nineties for the last time that I can remember something like that. No, it's, it's crazy. Cause you brought up the quarterbacks and it's like they're, they're, they're being used as vessels from their teammates to be able to do what it is that they really want to do. Like, I don't think Joe and Mahomes have any issues with each other, but everybody uses like Mike Hilton is using like Joe Burrow didn't ask that. And maybe, maybe he did, but he didn't ask for them to call it Burrow head. And then, and, and then, and then Kelsey's coming back. This is Mahomes' house. This is what I mean. They're, like they're using those two guys just to get to get in what they want to get in. It's like it's not even them. And that's the crazy part is I like Joe Burrow. Like I do. Like I like little Macaulay Culkin. I, I like I enjoy I enjoy his swagger, his suits, and I enjoy his game. Like he yeah he does. Like I'm I'm not scared to death like BK is, but I but like I enjoy. His game, but them jokers over there, oh, I can't stand them. Oh, God. I mean, they just got some real, you know, they're like the reverse of Duke. They've got, you know, Duke had white guys with punchable faces. They got a load of black guys over there with some real punchable <laughs> faces. Is, I don't know. Is Eli still over there? Damn, I hope Eli I, Apple. I don't still know there. that he, where is he at now? I think, I think cool. he was uh, on the market. He, he's pro- Yeah, he's probably going. But Eli Apple, he's got a real punchable face. Who, where's the running back from He's Oklahoma who actually punches women? The Joe running Mixon, back, yeah. yeah, Joe Mixon. He is still on the team. Eli Apple is a free agent right now. Yeah, it, Joe Mixon. He's got a punchable face. Now uh, they've got Orlando Brown, which is going to add to. Oh, this. that is that's right. Did, did you see the the comments about that from Tyler Boyd? Yes. Oh, yes. Tyler Boyd came out and said, well, "Hey, well, we we, we beat Kansas City for Orlando Brown. We took that away from them. We won up right. to them in the offseason. Like, all right." Okay, I like this. He's just happy he doesn't have to go against Troy Hendrickson <laughs> in real life anymore. But I mean, they just they just got like for me, it's just so much. I feel like they got a coach who doesn't deserve his job. Maybe I need to back off that a little bit. But <laughs> I've been <laughs> saying the same thing for years, man. I've been like, I don't know what this guy does. I don't think he's a good coach. But I they keep the first, winning, so maybe I'm wrong. I, for the first, this is the first year where I've said they're, they're winning in spite of them. I think it's, I think it's more about Lou Anarumo, the guy, yeah. guy that <laughs> keep, keeps putting up like top ten defenses, and you can't name a lot of people on that Bengals side. I of the just ball. cannot stand. The There's team. gonna come a day when Zach Taylor is gonna be like, oh. Man, so so Green Bay was winning in spite of, of their coach, huh? <laughs> All those years, that was Aaron. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I, but it's but 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 to be honest, it's great though. Like it's the it's the game that we look forward to. And, and that's the other thing. Every one of them are tight, yeah. and it's just so weird. It feels like, and I know this is this is a real sucker move as a, as a fan because it, it, you know you can completely look at it a different way. But it has felt like every time the Chiefs have lost to them that they have they have done themselves in like it feels like it feels like they have done themselves in and not the Bengals like and Joe has made some great plays but like each and every one of these games like the entire second half well really the 10 seconds of the last 10 seconds of the second quarter and the second half uh, in the AFC championship game weird turnovers like Kelsey as they're closing the game down an odd turnover they got off to that huge lead the first time. They like it just feels like they they've given these games away to the Bengals. I just it, it feels like a college rivalry. It like, does, it, doesn't it? it yeah. Feels like like remember when Deshaun was at Clemson and it was every year was a, a race to see how Alabama and Clemson were going to meet in the national championship game. And it was like, man, these are all instant classics when these two teams meet because you know that the talent is there on both sides. And, you know, the quarterback play is there on both sides. And obviously with Alabama, you've got an excellent coach as well, which the Chiefs have. And then you've got Dabo, who is, you know, a buffoon, but he's there and he had a lot of talent, which is the equivalent of the Bengals. So it it really does kind of feel like it's those two programs, but at the NFL level, and you don't really get that at the NFL level very often. It's rare, man. This is cool. And and these teams just, I, I think Burrow too is like, 
he carries himself differently than Patrick Mahomes. And I don't think like a lot of times, like a lot of the trash talking and stuff that goes on gets placed on Burrow and it's not necessarily him. It's just that Burrow doesn't ever walk any of it back. He's just like, yeah, I mean, mean, we want to win. Like that's our mentality as a team. Like that's who we are. And I mean, I love Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. You know, I love wide receivers. Like, they're spectacular I, I players. I hate Jamar Chase so much. <laughs> I, I, I love, love him. him. He's unbelievable. They're great. But, God, I hate that bleeping guy, dude. I hate him. Oh. Yeah, they've got a guard over there. I hate Max Sharping. I really do. I just got guys over there. I just Guards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Max Sharping, 74. He really pisses me off. I really can't stand him. I do. I, they just got some cats. That's but that's the part though. This this thing has legs because they have the card of the quarterbacks really being involved in the animosity has not been pulled yet. Yeah. And we know both of them have an edge like like you can easily see joe turning or pat turning like we could see like we've seen pat get pissed like pat is pat is not is a i'm literally one away from counting off out on the field how many touchdown passes like pat can pat's got the steph curry a hole in him right and then and and joe and joe so it, it that's where it goes to the next level. See, that was the thing that that Brady and Manning didn't do, and I just don't think – well, I think Brady had it in him, but I don't think Manning did. These two do. And that, that like, that's the, that, that's the part that, that, to me, this thing teeters. Because as you said, Joe don't ever walk this thing back. Joe ain't never didn't, – didn't say, no, hey, guys, it's not Burrowhead. Let's not do that. No, he, <laughs> he sat there in that, that loud-ass suit. And just kept on going about things. All right, Bur- Bur- I, I, Burrow we... almost like Kobe to him, where it's like, oh, he does. Yeah, he does. It's a, it's a confidence a where it like, it almost kind of leaks out sometimes. But it's not. It, he's just a, he's a killer on the on the field the way that Kobe was on the court. So I, I think that's yeah, I kind gonna, of the. Confidence. That's good. I was gonna say Dame, but yeah, that, sure. that that's good. Yeah, he's got a little little something like that where he he somehow talks trash but appears humble at the same yeah. time a little bit. All right, I, I do want to close this real quick. Um, what did sort of what did what did Spag say? I want to I want to listen to what he said, but is he referring to those to those kids as the Fab Five in the secondary? I, I, I don't know if he called them the Fab Five. I don't remember specifically who did it last season. Maybe it was Spags, but who's ever doing it. One I of the coaches called him that early like OTAs or something last year and 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 Pete Sweeney ran with it and and got several articles out of it because it was it was a common thing throughout the season as those guys were making plays and so now I think it is I'd have to ask I don't remember who who initially called them that I would like for that to stop it's it's gonna continue to happen and today Steve Spagnuolo spoke to Chiefs media and said that they are light years ahead of where they were last season at this point. So, okay, I, I, I want to discuss this, but who is the Chris Weber of this Fab Five? Ooh. Is it Trent McDuffie? Is that, uh, yeah, it's Trent is he McDuffie. clearly the? All right, yeah. well, who's the Jalen Rose? Uh, that's got to be Williams, right? He'd be you think Jonathan, I mean, I would think it'd be Jalen Watson. I think it's Watson. He was the better player last year. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah. Okay. It's something, and then I think Jawan Howard is clearly Cook. Yes. Then, like the, the, the guy that gets no, a little bit forgotten no, where it's like, wait, no, he was a part of that? No, I think, I think it's Jimmy Cook's King. Good too. I think Brian Cook's Jimmy King. Okay. I think Brian Cook's Jimmy King kind of flashy a little bit. I think I think um, Williams is is Jawan Howard. Okay, I'll get Williams, Jawan Howard, and then who's who's Ricky Jackson? Nazi Johnson, who Dave Tobe yeah. also this week said last season towards the end of the year was one of the best gunners on special teams in football. Congratulations so. to Nazi Johnson for <laughs> making the twenty twenty three Chiefs. Congratulations, he's made it. Yeah, he's a roster lock. Dave says Love that it. about you this early in the in the offseason program. He is making don't let this Dave, Don't let Dave start talking about those gunners. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you. But but to that point, he's saying they were taking big steps. And like that is crazy because it, it like in my mind, I never thought like, boy, this defense really needs those guys to take major steps 
for them to to continue to improve. I feel like to me, if they're just solid, I never think of myself as this defense is so dependent on the secondary. But you also look, I don't know who this gunner guy is, but you look at the other four, those are guys that really get playing time in the secondary. Like you generally think that they're all going to take steps after one year in the league. Like you would think that there is some improvement. And that is a part to the rest of the league that is scary is like, what kind of steps do these guys take? Like, are they just marginal steps or are they taking like, we talking pro bowl level steps somewhere where this defensive secondary is much better than next than than last year. It's an interesting thing, BK, because I've never felt like this, this defense needs them to be an elite group. So that that's what I find so interesting about it is like, we could be in a situation right now, Ron, where we're we're about to see the Chiefs do something that they haven't done yet with Spags as the defensive coordinator. And what I mean by that is, like, we're potentially about to see them play with an elite-level cornerback, with Trent McDuffie. And I, I don't know that he's for sure going to be that, but there's a chance, because last year when he was on the field, it really changed what they could do, both schematically and just defensively in general. If you look from week 10 on last year for the Kansas City Chiefs, what they did defensively, dude, opposing team just, they could not get anything going through the air. They had a quarterback rating that was in the bottom half of the league. If you look at what they did passing yardage wise, like it was was basically nothing. They were 12th in the NFL and passing yardage allowed. And that's as a team that, I I mean, teams have to pass a lot against them because they're coming from behind. So I think that's what makes it so compelling to me is if you do have this advantage where you've got corners and you've got safeties, the likes of which we haven't seen with Spags, and we know he can create a pass rush rush basically by his own scheme. Yeah. This and improve, could be, an improvement there to potentially yeah. cross the defensive line. And young, by the way, these guys are going to build together where like for the next three years, they're all going to be kind of cost controlled. It has a chance to be something that's really special, the likes of which we have not seen under this defensive coordinator, and I I trust this defensive coordinator to get the best out of them. It's it's not getting nearly as much hype as the wide receiver group, and I understand why because we've at least got like proof of these guys being on the field and playing and contributing. But like, there's a, a scenario here where maybe they don't take that step forward. But like this early kind of praise from Spags is. I think kind of significant. Like he's always complimentary of his players, but he's not usually like, yeah, this guy's taking this massive step or whatever. Like he doesn't really say things like that that often. So it's, I I think they were all awesome last season when given opportunities. Like we saw what Jalen Watson did seventh round rookie cornerback, Trent McDuffie. I agree. Like he, at the very least, he's got a chance to really play himself into being like one of the more versatile cornerbacks in the league this year. If he can stay healthy, like his ability to play inside outside last year and, and the way that they'll be able to utilize Legarius Sneed because of that is something that I think we're going to see come into play this season. And I really like what Brian Cook is bringing to the table. Like it's really, really impressive if they rebuilt this entire secondary in one draft class and it could wind up affecting whether or not they try to sign Legarius Sneed long-term, but like, I I understand why there isn't a lot of worry and I'm optimistic, just like a lot of chiefs fans are that like this secondary, if they are going to continue to develop and continue to play like they did last season, like there's reason you should be really confident that this group could be really, really good this year. That's why I just don't understand. Like for me, concern is just, like if they just if they're solid, which I think they've proven they can be, like that to me that's an, enough, right there. Because I just think now it's scary. It's scary if they're beyond solid. Like it's scary if to what BK just talked about, you got a a lead corner, a shutdown type lead corner. Now it, it, it's scary back there because I think you got to probably probably an improved defensive line that at least it should be better in, get, in getting pressure, you would think. And then you're going to tell me, like, all right, now you got a top 10 level secondary? Oh, 
okay, all right. Like I just, I, for me, it's just never been a thing, sort of, where I felt like that's what they like uh-huh. they needed to do. Like I've never had a concern. Like, boy, this yeah. secondary, they could like I, I can't. I'd be shocked that they take steps back. And and, and I, I agree with you there because we know the offense is like top three. Like, yeah, like it's just going to be a top three offense. No matter who they plug and play with Mahomes, it's going to be up there near the top of the NFL. And they've had a ton of success over the last several years, just kind of plugging guys into the secondary. However, they have to and and figuring it out outside of the Orlando Scandrick year. But like every other year, huh. they've done a really good job of it. So I, I, I don't think that they need to be elite. But man, like if that's secondary, if they do take those huge strides and the defensive lines better, like if this defense overall is better, which I think on paper, it's got more depth and it it could be better than last year. Man, it's it's a wrap for the Bengals and, and the Bills and all these other optimistic teams in the AFC. More to do's, less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com slash Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement.